0: what is up everybody welcome back to another podcast here at city of hope church this is a brand new season for us clay it's mm-hmm. the launch of spring small groups and so uh a time. it's a great time we just want to uh, invite you guys in at the beginning of this journey uh for those of you who may be listening that don't necessarily go to our church or you're new to the podcast my name is jeremy baker i'm the administrative pastor here at the church and with me is Mr. Clay Bishop, lead pastor here at City of Hope, and we're just tickled to death that you would choose to listen to us and join us for a conversation. How you doing, Clay? Doing good. Tickled. Tickled. (laughs) Tickled. Yep. (laughs) All right, we're going to get into, uh, we're just going to dive right in. So we're in volume two of a couple of books. The first one was Kingdom Values. This one's called Kingdom Vision. It's written by John Tyson and Susie Silk. And in this book, there are essentially two parts. There's uh, Part A, The Way of Jesus, and Part B, The Renewal of the City. And within those parts, there are three chapters each. And throughout the semester, we're going to be covering each of those chapters in detail. Matter of fact, each chapter will probably have uh, two different parts. Today is going to be Part 1 of The Way of Vision. And so, just diving right in here. We begin with part A in the way of Jesus, and it's interesting, the opening line here, Clay, and I didn't realize this, but uh, the first name given to followers of Jesus, even before they were called Christians, was followers of the way, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting. And so the first few pages here, we dive into essentially Jesus offering us a different way of life. And, and really, whether we realize it or not, um, Jesus is not the only person who invites us into a way Of living. There exist a variety of different ways in our culture. We hear it constantly through social media and different books and movies, even schools and different things that offer us a variety of different ways in which we find life and find happiness and community and all that good stuff, uh, some type of way. But we know that there are many ways that can appear to be right to us but end in death, as Proverbs. 1625 says so jesus offers us the way and so as you as a listener i just want to pose a couple questions to you right here from the get-go which way are you living currently who are you ultimately following and where is that person leading you because we're all following some type of way
1: yeah so one of the things that i think it's important for us to pay attention to is is that there is a way of jesus they were followers of a way. And I think sometimes in Christianity that we've been exposed to, what we, what we find is that we honestly, if we really look at our lives, we follow a way that's sort of been handed to us by culture. Mm. It's not the way of Jesus. We call ourselves Christians. We go to church on Sunday, but day to day, we're not necessarily following the way of Jesus. And it's so important that we, we make that distinction and, and we clarify that Jesus isn't simply asking you to come to church, go to an altar, say a prayer, and then come to church every Sunday, but continue to follow the patterns of this world. Mm. What he really wants from everybody, the, you know, the initial prayer is a good thing, no doubt. But when you when you make that first step in salvation or coming to Jesus, what he is asking you to do is to follow him, and that means to take on a new rule of life altogether a new way of thinking, a new lens to look at the world itself, uh, a new heart, and then a new set of practices, uh, a new devotion, a completely new way of living. And so you follow him in, in all of those aspects, and you start to break off the ways that you used to walk in. Mm-hmm. And, and you find these, these cultural pressures, these cultural norms, these worldly systems that have infiltrated your thinking or, or your way of life. And I think you'd be surprised, we would all be surprised, I think if we, if we realized, you know, we talked about even last semester, how most Christians who, who call themselves Christians in America actually do not have a biblical worldview. Yeah. It's a very small percentage of people that go to church and, and call themselves Christians that actually have a biblical worldview. Uh, they don't believe in the supernatural. They don't believe in the demonic. They don't believe that there's like a personal evil, uh, which is mind blowing. Yeah, they 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 kind of fall into line more with certain things like New Age spirituality or or Marxism sometimes, or, or just different ideologies that they've been taught in you know secular educational systems and stuff like that. So again, we're we're gonna be talking about the way of Jesus and. Um, and, and a, the, a direction of life, and it, it has to do with his vision. It has to do with how we're formed, like yeah. like what, what makes up our personal formation as, as human beings, and then the things that we actually put into practice to demonstrate that, hey, we're following Jesus. We're following this way of life. Yeah, I've been reading this other book, and one of the things uh, the author talks about is
0: essentially that we have different types of beliefs as people. Like there's the beliefs that we want people to see about us but then there's like the our core beliefs and that that's basically the only true beliefs that we have because it's 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 the reality of the way we live yeah. and those are often like we come to we come to those beliefs not by actual truth or not by actual proof of anything but it's really based on just what feels good to us yeah and what like satisfies our senses and kind of what we we think We're, when we when when and when that presses up against the the way of jesus which obviously calls some of that stuff out it makes us really uncomfortable we're not we're not willing to give up those pleasures yeah uh, so we we deceive ourselves a lot of times into thinking like hey oh we are christians but really like how are you really living yeah you know you know what what, what kind of what kind of way are you really following well if and, you're that, and that's yourself. one
1: of the biggest critiques of of the church itself i, I met with a uh, with a guy just yesterday who's really struggling with some things in life and grew up in church sort of and felt like, you know, Christianity was forced on him. But one of his biggest issues, and this is said all of the time is, is, you know, I was in that, it was forced on me, but all the people who tried to force it on me, I knew how they lived behind the scenes. They weren't following a way Mm -hmm. they had some kind of religious clothing on. Mm -hmm. And, and that's often the truth with a lot of people who label themselves as Christians. And I think, when you follow the way of jesus it's a whole lot more compelling to people who are on the outside when yeah. they see, okay this isn't just something they do on sunday and put on but it's like a way of life for them yeah and it and it it changes everything
0: good stuff from the get-go and that's just that's just the intro the intro um so yeah are we ready to get into the first chapter yeah, is the, there anything else in that intro you want to talk uh, about I,
1: I think that pretty much sums it up um it's, it's, it's something, you know, the way of Jesus is is something that's, it's not just accepted intellectually, like I believe in Jesus, but it starts to get into the inner part of our being, and then it's lived out in our behaviors. Yeah. And, uh, and so the first part though that he's gonna talk about is the way of vision, and that is in order to follow Jesus, you gotta have a clear vision of who God is. Mm-hmm. Who is God, what's his nature, what's his character, and 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 what does that mean for us? And one of the things that he does is he opens up by talking about how and we've do, we've done this some in the beginning of the year. Uh, new Year's resolutions. Yeah. Uh, but I will say and and we've said this, I really do feel this way. People always talk about, well, we got a word for the new year and, you know, or whatever, whatever. People get that stuff. I don't. I don't have a word for the new year. I felt the Lord drop consecrate into my spirit at the beginning of the year as something that we we preached a sermon series on it here. We've been in this 21 days of of really consecration, yeah. setting some things aside. And you'd be amazed because during this time, people have come to me and and literally said, "Man, I've set this apart. The Lord has told me to drop this. I've dropped this, and and I'm and I'm pushing into seeking Him here. I'm getting in the Scripture. I'm getting in prayer. I'm fasting this." And uh, but but the thing that I feel like the Lord has has said, not just for this season, but for us as a church for the entire year is that if we will consecrate ourselves completely, Mm -hmm. not just for January, but for this year. Uh, it's that scripture in Joshua that, that if you will consecrate yourselves, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. And, and I'll just be honest with you, I've seen wonders done just here in the past few weeks.
0: Yeah, it's pretty crazy, honestly, It, it just the, the stuff that starts to come together and the stuff that the Lord is able to do through people. Um, when you do just, you're, you're more intentional about uh, giving giving everything to him and setting aside some time to actually go after him, to actually, you know, pray and to, to study and to, to really give up some things. And it's amazing what he can do. And so, yeah, I agree. I think that's been the consensus for several folks, you know, like, man, it's, it's amazing what the Lord's doing. Let's just keep this thing rolling. Let's just keep going with it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. When I'm seeking God, man, it's just like, it's like a true ministry. Just, comes to me Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying it just shows up people Mm -hmm. that need help and then the power of the holy spirit there to help them to bring freedom into their lives to bring guidance to bring direction to bring the encouragement that they need, it's just available, yeah. Uh, it, and it becomes very easy. And I think sometimes when we're not really seeking the Lord and when we're not consecrated to the Lord, we don't see things happening. And I, and let me say this: people come to church all the time, and they've been Christians for twenty years, and they're frustrated with what's going on. Well, we don't see this, we don't see that. I can promise you, it ain't the church's fault. Yeah, it is. It is your fault because you're you you are not seeking the Lord. When you seek the Lord, you're gonna find God showing up in your home. You're gonna find God showing up in the in the grocery store, and things come to you yeah. when you sense it. And and if you're seeking the Lord, you'll show up on a Sunday morning and the first song hit, and you'll begin to weep because the presence of God overflows in your heart. Yeah. It's, not a, it's not an issue of what's going on in the church outside it's of you. It's what's faith. going on in your own heart. Mm. Have you consecrated yourself? And so God calls us into that, and that's a big part of it because he talks about this vision like at the beginning of the year, we'll all set New Year's resolutions. But the real question is, is like, you know, because we all know it to be true. Like, who? How many people have you ever known set New Year's resolutions and at the, in de- December be like, "Man, I absolutely killed it this year. Like, I yeah. did every single thing I set out to do the entire year." Yeah. And and so he he's talking about how sometimes we can get a vision for life that may or may not be God's vision. And so we need we need to get a hold of a compelling vision that is birthed by the Spirit of God about about who God is, about what He wants for our lives. And, and what that looks like as far as as following the way of Jesus. So
0: Yeah, he, I love this section where we basically talk about this, uh, and he poses the question, have you ever experienced the humiliating gap between who you want to be and who you actually are? And that's kind of what we wrestle with right at the beginning of the year. It's kind of this, it's a natural season of like we evaluate our lives and there's things we want to change. And then we go into it with a lot of energy, but, you know, depending, like you said, on our vision and our willingness to change and, and put into action things, you know, a lot of times it just fades away. But I want to read this uh, quote right here, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, So it says, this is on page 11, there's a danger that you will mislive, that despite all your activity – Despite all the pleasant diversions you might have enjoyed while alive, you will end up living a bad life. There is, in other words, a danger that when you are on your deathbed, you will look back and realize that you wasted your one chance at living. Instead of spending your life pursuing something genuinely valuable, you squandered it because you allowed yourself to be distracted by the various babbles life has to offer. And that's, I mean, that's an in-your-face quote. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then he goes on, and what I love is that Jesus understands our tendency to want to squander our lives, and so he he knows that our vision needs to be uh, the rudder. That steers us. That mm-hmm. that our vision has to come from Him, and that's what steers our life. Otherwise, we are just we're kind of like we just chase this and chase that. That's one of my tendencies. I I mean, I get excited about something and I just jump in. I remember one time I built a table. Yeah. <laughs> I start. I was like fired up about it, watching YouTube videos, started it, and it took me like a year and a half to finish it. Just because I, I, you know, you just get I get distracted here and get distracted there and come yeah. back to it and.
1: Yeah, and that, that's a big thing, too, man, because, you know, Jesus says one of his foundational parables, and this has been coming to my mind over and over and over again. It's not in the book here, but uh, one of his foundational parables is the parable of, of the sower. Yeah. And he says, you know, this is a way that you can understand kind of all other parables concerning the kingdom of God. but he sows seed you know he sows the word of god and it falls in different areas but but in our generation it falls a lot of times among thorns Mm. and i see that most christian people the seed that's sown in their heart is that which is sown among thorns and the the pleasures of this world uh, the deceitfulness of riches and the anxieties and the cares of this life and the distractions of life itself chokes out the word so that it's not fruitful in their life. And so there's so many people, Christians, followers of Jesus, they really, they really want to pursue God, man. They want to live for Jesus but they don't have an effective way or an effective vision that keeps them focused. That's why the scripture says where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. When you don't have a clear vision of God, when you don't have a clear vision of the way of Jesus, you don't know how to follow. And this world system is designed to throw the deceitfulness of riches. Oh yeah. Right. Pulling on you with money. You need more, you need more stuff. You need more materialism, get you a new purse, buy your babies, more, whatever to pull you in. Uh, Mm -hmm. You need to spend more time with this, less time with the kingdom of God. You know, all of that is happening all at once, and it chokes the word of God. It chokes the vision of God out in your life. But you know, at least we can sort of come to church on Sunday and feel better about ourselves, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. And I know, again, that I tend to get strong, Jeremy. But but the fact of the matter is, this it's really real. Yeah. And and you can find yourself at the end of your life, I think, thinking, you know, what? I went to church my entire life, and I never grew. Nothing ever really changed, mm. and 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 because I did I didn't really find that way of Jesus in my life.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, it, it's that's a struggle, and and like you said, the past few weeks, I don't know, we've just experienced some genuine life change in some folks, and some things happen to where it's like, I don't I don't know that, that it, it's like when are we finally going to realize that this is serious business. Mm -hmm. like this is it's not it's not just a a sunday morning like you said it's not just a feel-good message like this is this is a real thing i mean that people are are in bondage to uh, a a way of life that is leading them in the wrong direction and it's leading them into um into into hell and it's uh our friends and our family and and people are hungry for answers um and it's up to us as christians to be that example, yeah. to live that way genuinely, yeah. uh, and it's it's a serious thing.
1: And the great, and you'll even I think attest to this: the greatest miracles, the greatest freedom, the greatest deliverance, healing, all that transformation, personal transformation that I see take place, is is not in the church in a church service. No, um, no. I think for me, what I notice as a pastor is that in the church service, seeds are sown. But people don't tend to respond well because it's in a very communal type thing. There's worship that's going on, but but you and I have seen some some dramatic things that happen. And over the years, I've seen dramatic things happen when I when when that seed's sown and people start to respond, and then and then within you know the context of life or whatever, God shows up and does something miraculous in a person's life, and they're finally able to open up. You're able to deal with some serious issues. But see, I guess my point is is that it's never going to be enough for you to just have Christianity based on you coming and hearing a message on Sunday. You mm-hmm. need to seek God in a way that it starts to infiltrate your entire life, your daily practices. Yeah. And this is a lot of what he's talking about in this book as far as the way of Jesus goes. And he, It says that his vision has uh, three clear distinctives. Um, and there's an invitation. There's an announcement of the kingdom of God that it's arrived, and and then there's an invitation from Jesus to follow him and to become his disciple. So you see uh, Jesus' vision for God, the kingdom, and discipleship, and he starts to, to break that down. And when he talks about his vision of God, you know, one of the questions that he asks is, when you think about God, what do you think? What's your mental image of God? And where did your definition of God and your description of God come from? A.W. Tozer said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And we tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. Mm -hmm. And the truth of the matter is, is you are transformed into the image that you behold, period. The scripture says that we're transformed into the, as we behold, as we contemplate the Lord's glory, as we see Jesus for who he fully is. This is in 2 Corinthians 3. It says that veil is removed when we turn to Jesus. And the word of God itself, and as we worship Jesus, we start to get literally an image of who who God is in Christ. And as we behold him, contemplate him, worship him, we're transformed into that same image from glory to glory. The problem is, is that oftentimes Jesus is not who we are beholding. And our vision of God is contaminated by all of the things that come in through our eye gate and our ear gate on a daily basis. And maybe we get a, a defective image of God based on our relationship with our parents. We get a defective image of God based on what's happened in our lives. We get a defective image of God because, honestly, rather than reading Scripture, we're just watching violent movies all the time. Yeah. Uh, or, or we're letting you know, Yellowstone or, or whatever, whatever TV shows we're watching, honestly, give us our theology yeah. and give us our view of God. Yeah. And we don't even realize how contaminated it is, and we don't even realize how much unbelief has infected us our hearts. And so what we have to do to get a compelling vision of God is come back to the scripture, deny the the lies that culture is trying to feed us through our eye gate, through our ear gate. And through scripture, we pray, Holy Spirit, I, I need to see Jesus. And the Bible teaches. As a matter of fact, it says in John one eighteen, I believe it is. It says that no one has seen God at any time. I remember reading that and thinking, no, God didn't didn't Elijah see you? Didn't Moses see you? Didn't these guys see you? Well, you remember Moses? He God passed by him. He saw his back parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it says in one place, you know, that God's uh, he spoke face to face with Moses and I thought, well, maybe he'd seen him. And, and I, think, I think what scripture's saying is that those, those men of the Old Testament, they caught glimpses of God. They really did see uh, portions of his glory, but they were unable to see the fullness. Mm, yeah. But it says, no man has seen God at any time, but the only begotten son who is close to the heart of the Father, he has revealed him to us. Yeah. And so when you see Jesus, you, know, you, you, you see God, he is the full representation of the glory of the Father. He's the express image of the invisible God. And the Holy Spirit comes and he reveals Jesus to us. And when we see Jesus, that's why we worship him because what you worship, you become like. Yeah. And when I worship Jesus and I see him and I see the way he forgives his enemies, he loves his enemies, I see the way that he is just confronting evil head on I see the way that he tru- he speaks truth to power he speaks truth I- in the face of all these things he loves the broken and the sinner and the outcast and he reaches out to them but he also carries a power that is able to set them free and deliver them and then he's inviting me into this same lifestyle I'm thinking man this is the best thing I've ever heard in my life Yeah, it really he's, is. N- he's not even just inviting me to get up and preach a message because I went to seminary and learned some stuff it's not even just knowledge like it is an Internal power from the Spirit. It's a way of life where you're relying on the power of the Holy Spirit to make you like Jesus. Yeah, and and that's why it says the the followers of the way they ended up calling them Christians at Antioch. Yeah, which means little Christs. Yeah, little anointed ones. And and so this is this is the way that Jesus is is coming to you know bring us into. But we have to get a clear vision and behold Him. In, in in that sense and, and, and let the Spirit transform us. And it gets into talking here some about um, God being a triune God and Jesus revealing the relational nature of God through that. But, yeah, uh,
0: I, I thought that was interesting, um, just as how dynamic God is. There's a quote here by C.S. Lewis that says, um, when Christians say God is love, they believe that the living dynamic activity of love has been going on in God forever and has created everything else. If God was a single person, then before the world was made, he was not love. But in Christianity, God is not a static thing, not even a person, but a dynamic, pulsating activity, a life, almost a kind of drama, almost, if you will, not to think me irreverent, a kind of dance between three persons,
1: yeah, so God, yeah that, and that's a good point. I'm telling you the Trinity's mysterious, and people question it and they're like, I don't even get that, but you know there's depth that the Holy Spirit will show you in that God himself is one, mm-hmm. but he exists eternally in three persons, and that is a mystery that we don't understand, yeah, but just like you said, you could not say God is love and mean it. With a proper definition of what love is, because love itself is self-sacrificial, self-giving, pouring worth on another. Mm. And since the beginning of time before God created anything, he eternally existed in three persons that were constantly pouring out love, love, and oneness and communication and worth and value on one another. Yeah, The Father is pouring his love out on the Son. The Son is pouring his love out on the Father, and it's through the Spirit that this love is exchanging, and yeah. he invites us into what 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 he says. It's this big theological word. I said it a minute ago. I shouldn't say it, but you know what? I paid money to learn that <laughs> word right there. Go for it. It's perichoresis.
0: Perichoresis. Yeah,
1: you can look it up, but it essentially means it's that divine dance. Dance between the three persons and God. So you have this divine dance between God the Father. God the Son and God the Spirit, and they're pouring that love and oneness and worth and value out on one another, and when he invites you into that dance, the Spirit draws you into it, and he pours his love and and worth and value out on you, and you sense that love in your heart, and in response, you pour it back out on him, and you get caught up in that divine dance with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit.
0: It's a beautiful thing.
1: And then you become, in Christ, a son of God, a child of God, filled with the Spirit, in love with the Father, in right relationship with the Father and you get lost in that Trinity yeah. and and ultimately that's what God God's bringing us all into that oneness in the end.
0: Yeah and the, the reason I think this is so important is because every other way is dependent upon a singular person or a singular thing a singular God mm-hmm. um, if you will that really revolves around selfishness um, which is the exact opposite of what we just talked about Um, and so there's, uh, let's see here, see if I can find it. I'm going to skip ahead just a little bit, but we, we talked about it there. Even, yeah, Anton LaVey, the, the head guy in basically Satanism, right, Clay? Am I right there? Yeah. Basically talks about the, the desire to be worshiped. And uh, in, in, in humanity, that's what we we want, is basically to be worshipped. Um, and, and that's just, it's so interesting, because as human beings, that's what, we get caught up in that. We get caught up in our own way, and we get, we get, get to thinking that we can figure this thing out, and that we can, um, at the end of the day, we want to be worshipped, and it's all about us. And when we lay that down... And follow the way of Jesus. It's it's the exact opposite of that, and we find this rhythm of life that that we're designed to be in. Like you said, that it's a beautiful picture of getting caught up in that dance and, and being poured into love, pouring and and then being able to to pour out love and selflessness to other people. Um, and it dictates every part of my live, uh, my life. Um, you know, as a husband and as a dad. The way I treat my family looks completely different if I'm extremely selfish, versus me being in right relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and being empowered to selflessly give myself for them. Um, it just it changes everything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like like we've already said. Um, but anyway, we can come back to that that section there in just a minute. But
1: well, I think I think that's a good point. Uh, uh you know, if if God's bringing His King to men, that means that means that He's the King. Yeah. And and everything in this world resists honestly Him being on the throne and Him being Lord and Him Him saying this is how things are going to function. Yeah. The the part the point that you know most people and you ain't gonna like this, but most people are functional Satanists and yeah. and what i mean by that anton Levay said you know i heard this before this isn't in the book but the in in the uh, i guess the satanic bible the there's one commandment do what thou wilt that's yeah. what, what it is yeah do what you want to do because you are your own god mm-hmm. and he even says we don't worship satan we worship self Mm-hmm. and we use satan as as a metaphor for for this this rebellion against any kind of oppressive scheme you know when satan came to adam and eve in the garden what did he say you can be like god yeah you can become your own god you can chart your own course you can become the king of your own kingdom yeah and and so self often is the biggest issue that we have and this is why when jesus calls us as followers of the way he says that if you follow me you must deny yourself. Mm-hmm. take up your cross and follow me you're no longer the king of your kingdom and if you are if you are the king of your, of your kingdom you can you can rest assured that, that you're going against god's design and your kingdom will crumble mm-hmm. and you'll find destruction and you'll come to the end of yourself where you finally realize man i need a different king on this throne and so there is there is that reality where he you know you have to you have to be aware of that and uh and whenever you step into that place God is saying I want to bring a new kingdom and and I'm I'm a, I want this kingdom to invade you know when he comes on the scene he says repent for the kingdom of heaven mm-hmm. is at hand yeah. and I remember always reading that and what I think of when I hear that scripture is like a, a crazy bearded dude on the side of the road with a big sign up that says "God hates all these people, repent." The kingdom of heaven is at hand, which which you know is interpreted to mean, you know, repent of your sin, or you're all gonna die in hellfire and brimstone. Yeah, that's what I hear. But what Jesus is saying, he's literally saying, "Yes, yes, repent of sin." But metanoia in the Greek, change your mind, the way that you think, your worldview your paradigm, and look to me, look at what I'm doing, look at who I am, look at the heart of the Father that I'm revealing, because I am bringing the kingdom of God on earth right now as it is in heaven. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so what you saw if you watched him was you saw a demonstration of God's kingdom, his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm -hmm. There were dead people that were raised to life. He basically says, you know what, in the Father's kingdom, and my kingdom, death doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. There were demons that were cast out of people. Why? Because the demonic does not exist in the kingdom of heaven. Every sickness, every manner of illness, every disease was healed completely by Christ. Why? Because he was the full manifestation of the kingdom of God on a in a broken, sin-sick, demonic world. And so when you say, well, what is God's kingdom? It's It's his rule and it's his reign and it's his authority. But that consumes your life, and you begin to realize, like, well, what's it mean? You know, what's it look like when the kingdom of God shows up? It looks like somebody's set free from sin, it looks like somebody is healed emotionally, mentally from abuse. Uh, When you can simply just encourage a a, a friend at your workplace who's been dealing with depression and you pray over them and that depression breaks off of their life and and, and you invite them to church and they hear the word of God, they get a relationship with Jesus. They say, you know, I'm feeling so much better. I'm experiencing joy. The kingdom of God showing up like in a variety of different ways. You're starting to see God's will done on earth as it is in heaven. And Mm -hmm. that's the kingdom of God that's represented. And we want we want that vision of the kingdom and uh you know that's 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 where god is is calling us to and so that's why he says you know he first reveals of this vision of god he reveals this vision of the kingdom and you know he talks about on page 22 for example you know that within our own kingdoms a kingdom of self worship um it's going to produce certain things. It's, it's not going to produce a healthy world. Um, and the evidence throughout human history is going to say that same thing. There's a, there is the reality of, of limited power because at the end of the day, you can have your own kingdom, but you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. You have no control over your life. You like to think you've got control over your kids, what happens to them. Mm-hmm. You don't have that kind of control. You, need, you really need to learn to relinquish control. And and I noticed this, Jeremy. I know I was talking to a guy. I really feel like the Lord had been speaking to me so clearly about some things for this church and, and for the future and for our ministry and stuff the past couple of weeks through prayer and fasting. And the things that he showed me were so big that after I came out of it, in the flesh, I felt like this pressure on myself to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And I sat down with a guy yesterday, one of my overseers actually, and I shared with him what was going on, man, and he he began to tear up because he felt like everything that I was saying was lining up with what the Lord was said to him. But he teared up, and he and he and he gave me a very simple word, of, you know. It, it, he shared like a dream he had had with me and what he felt like the Lord was saying. But it, but essentially, everything that he was saying it was much more profound than what I'm about to say in its fullness. But it was basically this that that all of the things that, that God wants to do will be fulfilled not because I fulfill them. It'll be fulfilled because I'm in love with him. Mm. And I'm not coming to him to get him to do these things. And he's not saying, Clay, you need to do this and you need to make this happen. He's saying, if you'll love me, these are the things that I want to do. And if you'll love me and I'll, and you come to me not to make these things happen. You come to me for me. Mm. And when you come to me for me, I'll make these things happen through you. And and I, for me, it was just like, oh, gosh. I I felt such a relief because I realized I'm not in control of this. I can make none of this happen. This is not about me making anything happen. What I'm called to first and foremost is to be in love with my Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ, through the Spirit of God. And as I do that, he will cause these things to happen yeah. that that he wants to do. And, yes, he's called us to obedience, but that begins from a place of, of absolute in- intimacy. And we realize we ain't got no power to make nothing happen. I yeah. can't set anybody free. Yeah. I can't save anybody's soul. I can just yield to him, but it begins just through a place of intimacy. And so, if if, but if we are self-worshippers, the other thing you're going to find, and this is going to find, you're going to find this out in your marriage more than anything. There's going to be a clash of kingdoms. If you and your wife are not submitted to God as King in your household, to Jesus as Lord in your household, then both you all are still trying to be lords. Yeah. And if one of you two are lords, or both of you are still trying to be lords, you are going to have some clashes. Oh yeah. And this is why there must be mutual submission, under submission of, of God Himself. And then, and then he talks about there's evidence of empires because emperors, when they want control, they get jealous, they get scared, and they become obsessed with. They literally go to war, mm-hmm. killing people just trying to maintain control. You see this in scripture with Herod. I mean, he's trying to maintain his empire. There's threat of another king. Well, they do. Let's kill all them baby boys out in Bethlehem. Yeah, and and so you see this, and 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 in that kind of kingdom that is not the kingdom of God. You end up seeing this uh, systemic selfishness and envy, and and systemic oppression, and it says that disorder and every evil practice is the result of any kingdom that is not um, God's kingdom.
0: Yeah, and it, th- that kingdom. One thing I want to I want to bring up too, real quick, Clay, is sure. the fact that you know that the kingdom of the world, which is what we're talking about, that's what that's what Jesus comes against you know is ruled by essentially satan yes and he says here on page 20 you know basically our modern approach is to exercise or remove the supernatural from our culture yeah and so going back to what you even said in the beginning there's a lot of a lot of people who you know even say they're christians but don't necessarily believe in the demonic or believe in evil or supernatural things and it's I just I think that's interesting, and even going back to some of the things that we've experienced this week, um, they've happened because we've just been seeking the Lord in relationship with Him, and you see people set free from things, and it's really clear uh, that there are you know there's an evil presence that's that's in the world that's trapping people. And it's something not to be weirded out about, but no. we need to realize it and fight against it and come no. against it.
1: We, we need that biblical worldview so badly because, I mean, at this point, here, here's what I know about the demonic is they love to stay hidden. It's their favorite thing. They're yeah. going to try to stay hidden as much as they can. And the issue with Jesus, the reason you see him walking into places, the demons knew who he was. And he's such light that they're fully exposed. Yeah and and see because because so many Christians like they don't really believe and they don't really seek we don't really see light manifested in a way and and we honestly we don't follow the way of Jesus mm. or the way of his disciples so we don't really expose a lot of darkness like that yeah but i mean you, you've seen it now i've seen it in my own life I, i've had multiple dozens of encounters uh, with the demonic in people's lives, where it's manifested, it's become clear, it's been exposed, yeah. and Jesus has set these people completely free from the demonic. And people would be, I think, shocked to know how much influence in their heart and minds it, it is exactly that. Yeah. Uh, scripture makes it abundantly clear that this, this is a reality. We are in a spiritual warfare, we are tempted by demons. Uh, many of, oftentimes, by our practice, we give place to the demonic. Uh, there, there are things at work in our lives. And, you know, something that I'm realizing, man, on, on, in a greater way is just like how big of a problem America currently has with witchcraft. Mm. And, I mean, nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody wants to bring it up. But I'm telling you, you're going to find out, especially our kids, because they're exposed to TikTok and all this weird stuff all the time. They're seeing this stuff and, and opening doors in their lives uh, through this this spirituality, You know, of various forms seeking power uh, and they open themselves up to certain things. And 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 I'm telling you, it's just it's going to become more and more prevalent. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, is if we just try to hide and act like it's not real, we're not going to be equipped and ready to, to confront these issues whenever they whenever they come to the surface much much more yeah and uh,
0: pretending something doesn't exist doesn't remove its
1: no nah, man <laughs> it's, I mean I, I've seen at this there. point in my life I've seen multiple people I've seen I've seen about five five or more people that that have dabbled in witchcraft and had like debilitating effects over their life diagnosis that they tried to, to deal with with drugs and stuff like that and they had it for years and years yeah and when we confronted that thing head on and they re- were repentant and renounced it, mm-hmm. the demon, I mean, it, it's crazy, but they leave. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, you can get into the depths of that. But my point in saying all of that is you, we have to be aware that e- even on very basic levels, you know, we on our Wednesday night service here just this past week, people get up just talking about fear and anxiety and fear and anxiety and fear and anxiety. The enemy, man, is trying so hard yeah. to keep people out of the reality of who God has called them to be and has got them crippled in that fear. And you've got to rise up, know who you are in Christ, take authority over the evil one and mm-hmm. resist him in the mighty name of Jesus. Yeah, and And that we have to step into that. Yeah. And we can't embrace that. We can't abide by that. We we go we live according to the word of God and we understand that we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places and we have to put on the full armor of God. Yeah. to resist that. And and that's what, you know, on page 21 which we can finish up as we've been going a little bit long here, but it talks about these tests, you know, that Jesus um uh, Jesus goes through. Um, in the in this sense, because he's 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 tempted by Satan as soon as he's filled with the Spirit, and I love you know because w- you you know the temptations of Jesus, um. But Satan comes to him, says, "Look, you you." One place it says that the devil led Jesus up into a high place and showed him in an instant. All the kingdoms of the world, and he said to him, "I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours." There's a lot of crazy things in that because mm-hmm. most people think, "Well, I thought the world was God's. What's this mean? This is Satan's. Satan is called. I think you said it a minute ago. He's called the God of this age. Mm-hmm. Jesus actually called him the the Archon." the prince of the the chief ruler of this world that's what he says three times in the book of john so he says if you look at the world and the world system what you see is yeah god is ultimately over all of it but currently god gave humanity the the earth to have dominion and authority over it, they forfeited it to Satan. And Satan says, you know what? This has been given to me mm-hmm. by, the, by this batch of humans yeah. who agreed with me. We give it up to him. And and I Just have like authority. It's like we give up a lot of areas of our lives to him. And Jesus says, and he says to Jesus, look, you bow down and worship me, I'll give you this. And this is why you see so many people rising to fame and power, because ultimately, whether they meet the de- the devil at a crossroads, by their actions, by what they worship. They sell their souls to the devil in that sense, and he gives them a measure of demonic power, authority, fame, influence, money, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says, no, I ain't going about it that way. I'm going to go about it by resisting every sinful temptation that you bring me, and I will break your power at the cross, and I'll take back the authority that you got from Adam and even the beginning. I'm the second Adam and I ain't going to buckle under the pressure and I'm going to live a sinless life and I'm going to take this stuff to the cross and that's where I'm going to deal a death blow to your head and I'm going to get back what they lost. And then guess what? I'm going to put it back in their hands, Satan. And if they figure out who they are in me, they will beat your hind end and you will come up under their feet. Yeah. And then guess what they will do? They will, Begin to advance the kingdom of God against the kingdom of darkness, and they'll walk in the vision and in the way that I've given them to walk. I mean, what a story! It's I mean, unbelievable.
0: Even those that are listening, stop right now, rewind it about thirty seconds, and listen to that again. Yeah, that's that, I mean, that's crazy stuff. It, I mean, it's it's truly remarkable.
1: And that's and that's that's it though. I mean, when you talk about the way of vision, you get a vision for the kingdom. And we'll move on deeper into a vision, you know, of discipleship. We just went through page twenty-four today, and we're going to stop there. But, uh, but man, that's we're living for God's kingdom. He is the ruler, but He, Jesus, has gotten back all authority in heaven and earth, mm-hmm. and He demonstrated on when He was here what He what He wanted things to look like. And He's saying, if you guys will step into it, you will follow. Not not just say a prayer so you go to heaven when you die. Yeah. Follow my way of life be in a relationship with the Father, repent, of, of any known sin right now be filled with the spirit of God live a daily practice of loving your enemies of praying for your enemies a daily practice of worship to the father a daily practice of prayer and devotion of corporate worship with your brothers and sisters in community and fellowship and letting the word of God become your, your daily bread and your life source mm-hmm. and then day by day you're proclaiming the gospel to your neighbors you're praying for the, for the sick and the afflicted and you're believing that as you go like God Spirit and power is going to show up to minister to people, and the kingdom of heaven will come, and his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Sin's broken, demons flee, bodies are healed, yeah. peace is restored all of these things start to happen in people's lives I'm ready to go to battle amen yeah
0: <laughs> raising up an army
1: well we hope we pumped you up for yeah. this for this small group this semester
0: yeah so just in in kind of closing yeah I be thinking about some of those questions how how do you view God and what kind of things have determined that um, what kingdom are you are you following right now and it's um, yeah read through this If you have any questions, be sure to to let us know. We're excited once again about the launch of Small small Groups. We thank you guys so much for listening. We love you all. God bless you guys, and we will talk to you on the next one.